0: I think I go back to my dad a lot because my dad taught me a lot of things, but he always said, do what you love and you're going to find that you'll be happier than doing something just because it gives you a paycheck, like be who you are and love what you do and do what you love. And, and at the end of the day, that's what matters.
1: That's Jeff Hurst. I'm Greg Baird. You're listening to the Photo Gregor podcast. Okay, so it is Thanksgiving week in the United States, and I have been, been feeling quite thankful lately, and I felt like this conversation with my guest was just full of gratitude and life experience. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Uh, Jeff is a friend of mine. He lives down the street, and he is an athletic trainer at a major university. So we had a great conversation, and I hope you love it. Welcome everybody to the new episode of the PhotoGregor Podcast. I'm here with Jeff Hurst. Jeff Hurst, how are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hey, uh, just so everyone knows, we're we're recording this in a driving thunderstorm. So if if we have a couple of glitches, <laughs> that's probably the reason. And you know, we're all hooked up to the electronics, so you might hear a little. Could <coughs> be could be very interesting. Hopefully <laughs> not. A little shock therapy <laughs> up in the studio. <laughs> Anyway, Jeff, why are you here today? Uh, you know, you asked me to come, and, and
0: I hoped that I would be able to contribute in some way. You, you said that you just wanted to have a conversation, so I you're, do. you're a good friend for a long time, and I thought, sure, why not?
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I've thought for years how important and kind of cool the stuff you do for work is, and I think my fans, all 12 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you have 12 after we finish this Go down to 11. Like in 10 years, when there's like a million fans that, and they're, they're okay. listening to back episodes, they're yeah. going to realize we started small. We didn't start with as many followers as you see today. Um, Jeff is an athletic trainer at a major university and he works with the sports of. Currently, women's basketball.
0: But previous to that, <laughs> I've worked with track and field and football and baseball and also worked for a professional baseball team for about a year. So kind of done quite a few things and, and currently have been with uh, women's basketball at a collegiate level for about 10 years. This is my 10th season with them.
1: Yeah, this is your longest, as long as I've known you, this is the longest place you've stuck with. Yeah, this has been the longest, the longest tenure
0: with with one team. It's been great. I, I love the the team. I love the staff. I love the environment. The, it, it's great. Going from, you know, going from football at a collegiate level where you've got, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 people in the stands sometimes to maybe eight, 900, maybe a thousand on a good day at home. You know, it's a little different, different format, a little different environment, but never felt like a a bad decision for me
1: and and always been something that I've been really jazzed to do. So it's a lot of fun. So talk about some of the, the women on the ball team. What, I mean, they're, they've got to be multifaceted. Um, we'll talk about basketball in a second, but, but, uh, Talk about some of the other talents that you see over 10 years that that we wouldn't know about. I mean, there's everything from artists to
0: musicians to, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal, just people, great, great people, competitive as they come. Probably some of the grittiest athletes I've had the chance to work with is this women's team. Um, And that's from back 2012 till now. They're uh, dedicated to what they do. A lot of them, multifaceted, multi-sport athletes through through high school, and and some even in college have have been dual sport athletes in college, and to be able to do that at that high level,
1: pretty impressive. I I didn't expect you to say gritty, grittiest. Um, yeah. Not now that I wouldn't expect it. I just you know. Of all the things you could have said, that's that's the one that's interesting to me. Do you, do they recruit at your university for grittiness? Or do you is, does that come from the coach down? Does it come from the trainer up? I mean what <laughs> I, I would say
0: <laughs> probably for me. No, it's all me. Actually it's it's kind of everybody. The the program that we have, our head coaches is a gritty guy. He's an old school guy, as, as great a coach as they come. Like, he is, he is a basketball guy through and through. He played in the NBA. He's played at the highest level, and he, he expects toughness. Um, he expects that grit and that determination to win. And so, yeah, I, th- I would say he recruits that. Um, I would say he expects that out of his team, and he molds that. He, he kind of, as a freshman, you come into this program, and you don't always have that coming out of high school. But you get that by the time you're a you know, junior and senior in this program. So it's, it's pretty awesome to see. And as coaches are on board with that, the, the administration supports it. And as, as tough as it can be sometimes for um, a male coach to work with a female group because that doesn't always work,
1: this guy makes it work. And it's pretty awesome. So tell us t- some of the stories of the the gritty athletes uh, like great performances. Tell us some of the stuff you've seen that the that, you, know, that it, you really look back on. A, a
0: few come to mind. We had a we were playing probably the the biggest game of the of the year. It was 4 or 5 years ago. Um our point guard with about 3 minutes to go in the game goes for a loose ball at half court, goes head to head with another girl and basically knocked her two front teeth backwards and sideways in her mouth. We ran her into the training room, took a look at it, stopped the bleeding. And then she said, I got to get back out there. And she's literally got teeth pointing out at me from the front of her face, (laughs) not down like they should be, but literally pointing at me. She played the last three minutes of the game that way. And, and we ended up winning, um, just tough as nails, kids, you know, willing to sacrifice, willing to put themselves out there, not scared at all to, to be as tough as any of the athletes I've ever seen working with football, working with baseball, working with men's basketball. It's, it's, it's a tough group. It's a lot of fun. Did they save the teeth? They did save the teeth. There was, (laughs) I (laughs) won't, I won't disclose any names or anything, but she had fractured. Um, One of the teeth just came loose. Uh, The other one had fractured up at the root. And so they had to actually go in. They, they glued it back in. She played the rest of the season and then they went and did an implant and and basically that tooth was gonna die anyway, so they just
1: replaced it. Okay, cool. Well, you know that's and that's the kind of thing that I bet you've seen in countless leagues. I mean, it's got to be different, like women's golf, and track and field, and football. These are all different sports. What is what? Are, what are some of the similarities about what you? Well, tell us what you do before, like before a game, you're taping ankles. I'm sure, but yeah, I mean, kind of explain it to
0: us. Ta- tape Taping ankles is part of it, and and the preventative side is part of it, but. In addition to that, any sport you work with, whether it is women's golf or whether you're talking, you know, NFL, there's an inherent risk that you're going to get hurt, and so we try to do everything we do on the front end, from the taping and the bracing and the, you know, the the strengthening, the conditioning, um, to minimize those things. But once they do happen, then we're involved from the ground level of assessment of of the diagnosis with a physician, of all the imaging, and finding out the extent of the injury and then from there boots on the ground to get them back to activity and get them back to full health so kind of from the from the get go we're there involved in that process and i think that's what makes it so much fun to to do what i do you never have the same day twice even with the same injury you never have the same day twice and and so as much as i hate seeing kids get
1: hurt it's a part of what they're willing to do and so my job is to keep them on the floor yeah for sure and uh you mentioned, you know, women's golf, what are some of the injuries that, that you wouldn't expect as a normal person to see with, with women's golf that happens? I mean, yeah, I did work with women's golf for about four years. So you, you see a lot of the backs
0: and, you know, the strains and the the lumbar stuff that you get with, with bending and twisting and rotation. It's funny to say, but sprained ankles, you're not paying attention to where you're walking and you step into a sand trap or you step off a, off a an an uneven lie and you roll down a hill we had a girl actually roll all the way down a hill and hurt her knee um just paying attention to what the ball was doing or what she was looking at she just walked off the edge of the world and kind of kind of messed up her knee (laughs) it's not funny it was funny at the time but she was she was okay nothing bad she just kind of sprained her knee and so it was okay
1: it's only in the same way it's only funny in the same way that uh like the you know the funny videos are funny yeah it's just like you shouldn't that shouldn't happen exactly Yeah, definitely thoughts and prayers. I mean, it's... <laughs> she she was okay. I I don't mean for
0: anyone to to think that I minimize anything that that happens to these kids because they work their tails off to to get where they're at. But still, I felt bad for laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I I might have laughed at the time because I was walking with her and I said, "Hey, are you all right?" And she was like, "Yeah, I kind of hyperextended my knee." And she played the rest of the round. It did fine. She actually ended up doing really well. But it was one of those days where I was like, "Oh man, that was a rough rough go." Yeah. I imagine you get some wrists in golf too. Wrists, hands, um, let are they're so aware of where they're at in their swing. I mean, I go out and hack it up on the golf course and I'm, I'm pretty awful, but they go out there and they know where their swing is. They know where to put their hands. They know everything about it. And so they're pretty good about minimizing hands and wrists, but it's, it's mostly lower extremity stuff, feet, ankles, um, backs, probably, probably the most prevalent are backs.
1: Yeah. I, I can imagine. I mean, well, I'm old, <laughs> and I think we're the same age my, i I can't we're seasoned I can't lift and twist at the same time no. anymore. that's just not a good idea no, it's, just, it's' never a good idea, yeah, but at any age, no, but those they 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 make it work so let's talk about um some other sports let let's can compare and contrast some sports what what are the, what are some of the things that you have have seen and done in uh, you know, you know the golf, women's basketball, men's football, track and field. What are some of the things that that are pretty common to all the groups? And what are the, what are some of the things that uh, that you see that just really are super unique to to that to that sport? Um, everybody kind of has ankles and knees with any sport
0: that you work with, whether you're track and field, whether you're golf, whether you're basketball, whether you're tennis, whatever you may have. Um, Ankles and knees are pretty common shoulders for upper extremity athletes, like throwing athletes, baseball, softball, volleyball, swimmers, that kind of stuff. And so you see just the difference between those overhand type sports, you're going to get more upper extremity stuff, elbows, shoulders, wrists with most of the sports, you're going to see knees and ankles. And so, you know, no injury is exactly the same, but you kind of have the same building blocks and the same beginning points. And then from there you tailor whatever the process is to that particular athlete. Um, excuse me, the football, you know, you have a different set of return to play protocols than you would with a tennis player, because you have different forces, you have different loads, you have different impacts, you have different everything. Um, unique to football obviously is the impact and the contact, um, concussions and head injuries are on everybody's mind all the time. And, the prevalence of what we've seen in the last five or 10 years, even, um, they've done a lot to try to, to try to mitigate and try to keep people safe. And so it's an ever changing world. Um, sports medicine is always evolving and and you get, you get new innovation and you get creative minds that want to do different things. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes you kind of try to reinvent the wheel when you don't need to, and you've got a really great process. And so you keep that process going and you tweak it and you change it and you make it better, refine it every day. But every, everybody has their unique, um, kind of set of things that they do. If you talk to 10 athletic trainers, you're probably going to find 10 ways to do the same job. And, and that's great. That's one thing that I like about it. I can reach out to my colleagues and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. What else should I add? They'll be like, Oh, I I found these things to be really helpful. Or, you know, I don't do that as much anymore. I used to, but now I've started doing this. And so there's, there's a lot of communication that goes even, you know, colleague to colleague. I, I don't ever feel like I'm competing against somebody to get a kid better. I might be competing against them on the field or on the court. I want to win as much as my team wants to win. I'm as competitive a guy as there is, but if I need, you know, to have my friend at, at Santa Clara or my friend at Penn or my friend at, you know, Florida or my friend at Montana state, I can call any of those guys and say, what do you think? And and they'll be like, Oh, this is what I would try. And so it's nice to have that collegial relationship and, and to be able to bounce ideas off each other and they'll do the same with me. So it's kind of nice.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I, I like that perspective. I had a question and it was important but I listened to you instead of asking it. So give me a second. I'll see if I, I, if I recall it. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So rehab is lonely. I've heard. It is. So do you do as much work on their mental state as you do on their physical state? You know, you have to keep them interested
0: and that's always the fight, right? Because you do the same thing for six weeks in a row and then you. Alone. Yeah. And you're, you watch your team (coughs) and they're all playing and, your cardio is the elliptical. You can't get out and actually run because you can't get that impact load yet. You can only do weight-bearing activities that aren't impact-loaded activities. And so you have to find ways to keep them interested. You have to find ways to keep them coming back every day. And sometimes it's a hard road. Like you have to do, we we set short-term goals and we set long-term goals. And we review those often because a lot of times athletes are really driven, motivated people and they don't see the change that they've made from day zero to day, you know, 30 or from day 30 to day 70. And if you're in a six month rehab process, you have to look at day zero to day 30 and say, man, you were on crutches and you weren't doing anything. And now on day 30, you're bending your knee and you're, you're partial weight bearing on crutches. That's a big deal. And so you have to keep showing them little progression and then take the big picture and say, this is where we're going to get in the end game, but this is what we have to do a little bit at a time. And it is a process. It's hard. You have to, you have to keep them involved. You have to keep them, keep them motivated and, and, and keep them interested in, in the game. I, I, it's, it's, it is a game. I mean, we turn it into a game. We turn it into some competitive things. We, we have different things that that can motivate them because I have to know each of these kids individually. Like, I have 19 kids on my team right now. None of them are the same. And I have a bunch of international kids and none of them are the same. And so everybody has a little bit different take on what takes to make them tick. And so you have to figure that out as an athletic trainer. That's part of it for me is it's more about the people than it is about the injury. If I can make the injury work with the person and get them through it, then I win.
1: Yeah. Speaking of winning and losing, how, I mean, they say, you know, you can't always like measure wins and losses um, on the performance of one individual. Right. But how, how much um, does your role play in wins and losses? I mean, can you calculate that? I I don't know if you can quantify it. I don't know if you can calculate it. I think, I think for me, um, if
0: we don't have a healthy team out there, it's hard for us to win games. You know, we play five, we play five kids at a time. And if all five of those kids aren't healthy and on the floor and playing together and capable and able to do their jobs, we're not going to win very many games. And so from the point guard all the way to the center, everybody has to be as healthy as they can be. Now, nobody at the you know, middle end of the season is going to be perfect. I would be very surprised if anybody didn't have a little bit of something because it's a long season. You play a lot of games and you fight to stay on the floor. And so you, you've always got something that you're doing to, to keep people going. But yeah, I, I would say an athletic trainer, I would say the sports medicine staff in general plays a pretty big role in, in keeping a team rolling. And I I've, it's always funny to, to kind of think about who's credited for what and coaches should be credited for a ton of it. Athletes should be credited for a ton of it. I think you have to look at the support staff. I think you have to look at your equipment managers. If you don't have functioning equipment for whatever the sport it is, whether it's track and field or football or basketball or golf, if you don't have the right stuff, you're not going to be able to do your job well. If you don't have, a, you know, your your support staff and your secretaries that are going to set up your travel, if you're traveling and your travel's never good and it's always messed up and it's always backwards and you don't have the right reservation made to get to the place that you're trying to go, it's it's really hard to stay focused. And so on the field, on the court, you know, coaching, playing, that's really important. But that behind the scenes stuff, I
1: think, I think makes or breaks a team, honestly. Yeah, I can imagine that uh, travel would be, a little awful if you're taking a, a, an 8-hour bus ride instead of the 1-hour flight plus plus a crappy hotel with with old beds or whatever
0: <laughs> it makes a difference when you can when you can be comfortable and you can kind of get in a rhythm and and what we do we we feel very grateful for the the opportunities we have to to travel the way we travel it's it's really nice we don't travel the way some teams travel um there are some teams out there that charter every flight um we're still flying commercial which is great i don't mind flying commercial at all because it beats a bus i've done a lot of bus rides when i did minor league baseball we we drove to canada from utah and that was that was <laughs> that was a long long bus ride there and back it was rough
1: <laughs> i bet you, you talked about some of those little things that are uh those little mid to end season nagging injuries that people get i watched you work on an athlete yeah. One time, and and you're like, oh, hey, one of your legs is longer than the other. Let's let's get your hip back in joint so that we can, we can straighten you out. And you know, like it's it's amazing to me that the performance increase that I saw in that athlete was, I mean, it was measurable, but unless you know that person well, you're not going to see it. But it sure made a difference in uh, that athlete's career, or at least that athlete's next um, event. I just, I don't know what the question is, but speak well, to that a little I think, bit. I think that's
0: like, that's what keeps me coming back. I, I, I actually just had a conversation with a friend of mine down at another at another school. We were talking, and he's a guy that I worked with for for quite a few years, and and I said, "How are you doing?" We were just talking talking life, and and he goes, "You know, the reason I keep coming back is because of relationships." He goes, I get to know these kids and I get to know their families and I get to be able to work with them and I get to see their successes. And he goes, and that's what makes it fun for me. He goes, winning championships is awesome. And, you know, making a salary for my family and supporting them is great. And that's what we have to do. But he goes, the thing that keeps me coming back is that relationship and seeing them succeed. I think when I have a kid, like we had a a few years ago, we had probably one of our best kids have a pretty significant injury and and we had to work really, really closely together to get her back and get her rolling and get her back at it. You look at her now and it's like, it never happened. And for me, I take a lot of pride in that makes me feel really, really good to see her competing, again at a really high level. And we just have something that we've had a connection and it's kind of an unspoken language. Like I know when she needs something, she knows when I can help her. Like there's just a good thing. And that's been, through my career, I've been doing this for 21 years now through my career. That's the thing that, that keeps me coming back to it's those relationships with people and, and whatever sport it's been, whether it's track and field or football or, or now basketball, it's, it's those relationships and those kids that, that make it worth the long hours and the long days and the, the time away from family. That's what, that's what really makes it,
1: makes it good. So where do you see yourself in the next 20 years? I mean, is this, is this, uh, obviously you've been in the pro ranks here and there and you yeah. you've done various sports um i don't see you as a ladder climber but uh no. wh- wh- where do you want to be in the next 20 years you know I, if if 20 years from now
0: i'm doing the exact same thing i'm doing right now i'm happy and i love it and and i'm i'm satisfied i'm not looking to for the next best thing i've i've changed quite a few times and i've had different opportunities to work with different sports and kind of at the same institution for now, the last three changes I've made, they've been at the same place. Um, But those changes were all a result of life. Life threw stuff at me and I had to make a decision and make a change. And so those were necessary things for me. I think I would love to someday, you know, be a head athletic trainer at the place I'm at. I, I could see myself doing that. I think that would be something that I, I would probably aspire to, I guess is the right way to put it. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm going to, you know, shove somebody else out of the way that's going to do a better job than me, if they're going to do a better job and I support them in that. And it's a person that I work with and awesome, but I, I love where I'm at. I love what I'm doing. I love the people that I work with. And, and for me right now, and for me years from now, I think it'd be great to be where I'm at. I'm really
1: happy. Yeah. I, I I sense that I've seen you on the sidelines in, in multiple sports. I, I, uh, Man, you're a fan, but when it's go time, it's also go time. Yeah. I've, seen you, I've seen you go from fan to medical uh, first aid in, in you know drop of a hat. Yeah, that's what my dad used to always say. He's, he's like,
0: I can always tell when it's time for you to work, and I can always tell when you can work and enjoy it at the same time. It's not that I don't enjoy the work, but when you're a fan and you get to be doing what you love to do, that's great. But when it's time to put on your hat and actually go to work, then you have to shift gears a little bit.
1: Well, and I, I, I want to mention that a little bit. You mentioned your dad. I, uh, yeah. he, he passed away a few years ago. Yep. And I got to go to the funeral. Um, and I was sitting in the back there. And at the end of the funeral, everybody stood up. And I was like, what is this, a tall girl convention? Yeah, <laughs> And I didn't even think about the the women's basketball team yeah. showing up until, actually until the coach, I recognized the coach. And I was like, oh. But, you know, that says a lot about yeah. the people. Um, this is a lot about you, honestly. Uh, you know, they showed up. Yeah, as a group, as an entire group. Yep. I, as far as I could tell, there was uh, at least a couple of dozen there. Everybody was there. It was pretty awesome yeah. to, to be able to sit
0: there and, and watch them all walk in together. I get, you know, I cry like a baby anyway, but I, it makes me emotional now even thinking about it. Just to, to remember that day and, and realize the support group that I have and 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 will continue to have. I think it, it's it's really awesome. I, there were other athletes that were there from not my current team that, that I'd stayed close with and they came. And, and so it was nice. You, you build those relationships, but it's weird. It's weird now to have been at a place long enough to have athletes that I worked with who are now having kids come back to start their career in college. And I'm like, oh man, I'm really old, but it's pretty awesome <laughs> to be able to, you know, people that I worked with when they were athletes and now have kids coming to the same place that they went to and me being a part of that. And it's just generational. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. I think the theme
1: of the podcast is that we both called ourselves old <laughs> <laughs> seasoned. pretty much the thing. So how do you get into it? Like, like, did you land there because you, because you had some opportunities you were chasing? Did you, did you get into it from the get go? Because that's what you want to do with your life? How did you, how um, did you decide to get in? You know, my dad was a banker and my brother's an investment banker.
0: And I started my collegiate studies and realized real quick in my first econ class that I was not going to be a banker because I, it just wasn't me. And so I looked in the medical field and I was actually going to go to medical school. I was going to be a physician. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I took a two-year hiatus and, and went and, and served a mission for, for the church and that, that I'm a member of. And, and while I was there, I spoke with um, the wife of a physician who had come to uh, speak at a conference and she had talked, we were just talking life and she talked about her physical therapist who had helped her with some back problems and really talked about what a great person he was and how, how that relationship had improved her life. And I thought, Oh, maybe, maybe I need to explore physical therapy as an option. So when I got home, I started looking at different things and, and thought, I don't know if I want to go to school for the next 15 years of my life. That's a long time. And that's kind of what it was going to take for me to go to school, go to medical school, do my residency, do my specialty, you know, orthopedic residency. And I thought, yeah, I don't know if I can do that. So one thing led to another and I looked at physical therapy as an option. And then as I talked to different physical therapists, I decided that I, I wanted to work with a little bit different population than maybe your typical physical therapy group that, that physical therapy is awesome and physical therapists do a great thing. But I, I wanted to work with a little more active population and, Athletic training just stuck and it seemed like a great fit for me. And so I explored it. I had started the program. Um, I think when I interviewed for the program that one of the people that interviewed me was like, you know, you could graduate in a a year and a half and go out and hang up your shingle and be a PT and, you know, start working. You're going to have to get a master's degree and you're going to have to do all this stuff. You got another three and a half years of school. What's the allure? And I said, well, my dad, going back to my dad, he always said that you're going to be happier doing what you want to do and be more successful doing what you love to do than just doing something for a paycheck. And so athletic training just stuck. And and so I did my undergraduate degree and took a year off in an unrelated field and then came back and got a master's degree and and ever since have have been involved in the program. So kind of a roundabout path to athletic training, but always kind of just looking for what was the best fit for me. And I think this, I think this was it.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, I can tell you love it and I can tell you do a good job. So <laughs> let me, let me ask you on a personal level, what are some of the things that drive you away from, sorry, away from the court and away from your job? Uh, What are some of the things that drive you? That drive me, Um, my family, I love spending time with them. We, we
0: started school today. And so it was kind of a bummer because I'm like, oh, summer's over. Um, but I, I love spending time with my kids. I love spending time. You know, we go camping, we go spend time together. We, we do things. Um, I recently in the last couple of years started to lift weights again, which was awesome. I was like, Oh, you, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's amazing looking at me. Just you're just like, kidding. really? You lift weights? <laughs> no, you, you would never know. But I, I started getting back into shape and started doing something. I was always a runner in high school. I, I ran cross country and track and and used to be skinny and fast and now i'm neither of those things. Um but i started lifting weights again and it was a lot of fun. It's a great release for me and and makes me feel better. Um but i love to read. I love, you know, the outdoors. I love we live in in a beautiful state where the mountains are literally our backyard. Spend a lot of time in the mountains, camping, hunting, fishing, just doing what i grew up doing and so those are kind of the things that drive me but my family. I love spending time with them. They're 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 a good crew.
1: Yeah, and your kids are old enough now to where yeah. you guys can do some real adventures and instead of just uh, you know, take the car seat wherever yeah. you go. Yeah.
0: We don't have any car seats anymore, luckily.
1: Yeah. And uh you have some athletes in the family too, don't
0: you? Yeah, a couple. We got a we got a couple cross country runners and and uh one little cheerleader that is trying to figure out what she wants to be and so it's it's a lot of fun. My boys have taken up the cross country um, I guess, vision that I had as a as a fast runner in high school and they've both kind of gone down that path. I've, it's been fun to live vicariously through them and remember those those days when I used to be able to run around and not get tired and now I
1: run around at their track meets and get really tired and it's hard but it's it's fun to watch them compete. Yeah, definitely. I kind of run, ran the gamut of the things that I wanted to ask you about today. I think uh man, I just I ho- I hope everybody who's listening finds something they can be passionate about and it goes Yeah. To work for that thing, man. I've I've had some jobs where you you hit the snooze button three or four times because you can't bear to get up and face the day. I've been there. Yeah, we've all been there. Um, if you're if you're in that job, make make plans to do something else. You know, don't just quit. <laughs> Secure yourself and find find a, find a new path. Yeah. So I I guess I want to part with with that. What's what's the kind of thing that you help coach these young people on that you work with? What What are the things that uh, that you see that they need? Um, I'm just talking on a personal level. And what's your message? Um, I would say
0: more than anything, set a goal and achieve it. Um, That's been the one thing I think through my career that I've seen athletes are driven, motivated people. And, And if I can say anything to anybody, set goals that are attainable, but set goals that will stretch you. And these kids do that every day. And I love watching it. I love watching them push and drive. I love watching them fail sometimes because they get back up and they, they go even harder. Um, it, it's it's fun to watch them succeed and it's fun to be a part of that success. I think that's probably my thing is if I can help them do the things that they love and do it at a very high level, then I find myself content and happy and and I'd say that's kind of my my takeaway is be happy doing what you're doing and, and find what the thing is that makes you Want to get up in the morning, want to go to work, and want to be great at it. At what age? As soon as you can. Like, like you don't. I didn't. I didn't know what I was going to do till you know I was almost twenty three, which seems like not that old. But if you know, like my son, I was. This is probably more than you wanted. But my son, I was talking to him, and I said, "What do you want to do with your life?" And he goes, "I want to be an engineer. I want to. I want to work for Ford. I want to build cars." He's seventeen when he told me this, and I'm like, "Great." Let's go like, like do that, be that, be that person. And so it's kind of what, what he's working for and kind of has a goal set and that can be malleable. That can change. That can be something that you refine over time. And, and you might start in finance and end up in athletic training and those are different worlds, but if you find it, stick to it and go for it.
1: Yeah. And that's why I said, what age? I mean, yeah. I found, I found photography very very late. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was in my my early forties, and you know I I'm not established professionally to the point where I could quit my day job, but I'm established professionally. Yeah. And and uh, gosh, if I had said, well, I'm too old to start this, then I would have I would have lost an opportunity to have a lot of fun. Yeah, fun. And uh, that's I, I think I go back to my dad
0: a lot because my dad taught me a lot of things. But he always said. Do what you love and you're going to find that you'll be happier than doing something just because it gives you a paycheck, like be who you are and love what you do and do what you love. And, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. So that's, I hope what I've been able to do. I, I, I love my job. It's, it's fun. I don't see it as a job. I see it as something I get to go do every day.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's why you're here. Yeah, <laughs> now, now <laughs> I we hope know. It's okay, now we know why you're here, Jeff. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me, Greg. I Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So that is Jeff. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, it's Thanksgiving in the United States. Go do something for someone else. Um, be thankful for what you have. Try to show that gratitude, and let's let's all try to, try to be a little bit more kind to each other. And let's all try to understand each other a little bit better. Happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays, everyone. Look at that timing. Of course, you're a musician. (laughs) (laughs) That took like
0: 36 takes to get one verse of a song last time we did that, I believe. (laughs) And you had to say three times, don't come in late. Don't come. Just don't come just in Just count. I, don't come in late. I've said that so many times to so many
1: people. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> All right. You ready you to go? go? Yeah, yeah.